The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Robert Diamond, founder of Broadway World, on the lessons he's learned in building one of the leading theater and entertainment websites. Let's begin. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing very well, and you? I'm not bad, thanks. You were mentioning to me just before we started around the awards that you guys are running for the end of the year. How's, how's that going? It's going very well. And the website started uh, 15 years ago. The very first thing that we offered was the Broadway World Theatre Fans Choice Awards, which mirrored the category of the Tonys for Broadway shows, and we let the fans vote on it. So that was a very popular feature. It was a, literally the only thing on the website when we launched and shortly after that, like with everything else we do, we were thinking about how to expand it. And when we expanded into regional content, we started adding regional awards as well. And every year we try and increase the number of areas that we do it in. So we did it in, I think, 60 markets last year. We're at 75 this year. So it's exponentially uh, growing and exponentially uh, giving us all gray hairs. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty big job. But yeah, like I'm sure it's you know exciting for the fans and also just for you just to pick out the best of the best. So. Hopefully that balances it out. Words are voted on either by journalists or members of the industry or some weird combination. That's around all of entertainment. So we like stuff that uh, makes it a more democratic process that lets the people that are actually buying tickets uh, be able to weigh in as well. 100% agree with on that. Rob, just for those that, who don't know much about Broadway World and about yourself, are you able to just give a bit, bit of a background and yeah, just as well in the intro for you, about you, if you can just give a background about your day-to-day and how your team's structured at the moment. Sure. I come from a technology background. I started as a high school intern as a web developer for a technical publishing company called Syscon Media, which published magazines and events and websites for web developers in a variety of programming languages. So when I started there, I started as a um, junior intern making $7 an hour and reporting to a very highly paid consultant. And they realized very quickly thereafter that I could do the same stuff that they were paying this consultant to do. So they promoted me to seven twenty-five an hour and put me in charge of their web properties. It was 1996, I believe, as mm-hmm. a high school senior. I kept working for them all through college, which was uh, Syracuse University, and uh, started with them full-time when I graduated. On the side of that, I'm a huge theater fan and became a very big fan of an actor called Michael Crawford. He is most known as being the original star of The Phantom of the Opera. And while I was in Syracuse, I had a Michael Crawford fan site, which was part of, you know, we all have little websites in 1997. And at the time, it was the second biggest Michael Crawford fan site. I've always been psychotically competitive, so the second biggest was a, a big big uh, area of annoyance for me. 
And this wonderful woman wrote to me and said, you know, I've been a fan of Michael's for many decades. I can send you materials to for you to scan in that'll give you the biggest Michael Crawford fan site. And I said, absolutely. And over the course of a few months, she sent a few dozen boxes to my Syracuse University dorm room. Wow. So while frightening my roommate, I also, in between classes and in between work for this publishing company, scanned everything in. And when that website launched two or three months later, I celebrated for a couple of days. And then I got a legal letter from Michael Crawford's management and his charitable fan association, letting me know that I violated several thousand copyright laws. And not only that, some of the pictures they were selling for sick children's charities. So the letter was sort of a combination of, you know, you have all these legal violations and, you know, you might also be a horrible person. And I wrote back to that and said, you know, look, I'm 17 years old. I'm a college student. You know, I'm doing this for the love of the art form and the love of the performer. Instead of suing me, why don't you hire me? And that worked and they said yes. So I started making Michael's website on the side of these other projects. And then once I graduated college, that sort of brought me more into the fold of the Broadway world, even before there was a broadwayworld.com. And Michael returned back to Broadway in a show called Dance of the Vampires. It's another sort of long and complicated story, but I wound up making a website for that show uh, that was sort of designed as a fan community. So the show got killed by critics. It didn't really have an official web presence. And while making that website, which had forums, it had polls, it had a whole login system, I started paying attention to the other theater sites out there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, hmm, this one is lacking that, or that one is lacking this, or, you know, I wish I could bring these technology skills to do that. And unfortunately, the show closed very quickly, but that gave me the idea for Broadway World. So the site launched in May of 2003 as a hobby project while I still had this day job. And then as the site grew, it became everything. That was probably a very long answer to a short question. Sorry. I really liked the progression of how, you know, you came to Broadway World. It's, it was very interesting to hear because not a lot of people would go down the path of, you know, and actually, in being the position of, you know, when you received that infringement, then you you got a job out of it. So that was it's very smart of you, and then just it's a very interesting background part. How's Broadway set up? To, like Broadway World set up today? How would you like in overview uh, describe what what it does and how it serves people who are interested in, you know, Broadway and theatre? Sure. So the website when it started just covered Broadway. It wasn't even content for the first few years until we started creating our own original content. Mm-hmm. So we found that there was people just as passionate about theater in London's West End and in other parts of the world. So today we cover theater in 100 markets across the United States and 47 countries internationally, as well as some other related areas of live entertainment like opera and dance and classical music. Great. You know, you have news reviews and from what I saw from the website as well, you also display, you also sell through a third party uh, tickets, is that how you're, the model structured today with Broadway World in, in trying to monetize the website and through ads? Yeah, our monetization is probably 95% advertising-based. We offer several sort of listing services and other products for purchase, but it's mostly advertising-based as our revenue stream. I understand. I'm going to come back to later around your website redesign because I mentioned I saw on the from the parent company about that and how you guys have built the proprietary industry insider uh, section with all the data, which is which I found very interesting, which I think also the our audience would find interesting as well. But let's take a step back for a second. And I always like to ask the journalists uh, or the people that I'm uh, podcasting, you know, the people in the industry, like, for example, journalists within sports or music or Broadway in your case, 
you know, I think they've in some way have made a contribution to that industry in general because without them, they're not going to be able to get the exposure or the advancement that otherwise they would have gotten. And especially, I think, in, in Broadway, where a lot of it was very much, you know, someone in the 1950s, 60s, they would read the review on the newspaper the next day, see how the show was, and, you know, that would make, essentially make or break them. So how do you, in your opinion and perspective, see how journalism has contributed to Broadway and the industry in general? Usually, without journalism, ticket buyers wouldn't know what shows they should see. And that comes from, traditionally, it used to come more from reviews. Now, I think it comes from a lot of things, ranging from video previews to social media. Mm-hmm. So as the media has become fractured everywhere, the more places and outlets and, and websites that are covering the arts is very important. One of the things we've been following is a lot of local papers, uh, unfortunately, have cut back on their arts coverage. And that's been a passion point for us to make sure that we're expanding locally and not only filling in the gaps from others that are scaling back, but you know, trying to take things up to the next level. Is that how you see the, your approach in covering regions, in covering the gap for the local journalism, or is that just your general strategic approach that you'd like to take just to get more broader region audience? It's a combination of things. I think everybody in the theater world and everybody that's covering it for broader world or for others are doing it because they love the art form, but they're not, you know, I've, I've never aspired to be a performer myself. I have no creative talent of that sort. Mm-hmm. That everything we do in our niche is, you know, obviously part of it is a business opportunity and part of it is because we love it and think it's important for society, for audiences, for those creating the arts, those consuming the arts. And in the strange times that we live in, I think that's even more important. I know we spoke about how you just mentioned how the media is very much fragmented and I guess reviews aren't as effective as they are now, but what have you seen out of all the different content sets and the media consumption types, something the, the most effective or something which is becoming more effective to your current audience and, and potentially to future generations who might want to be involved or consume Broadway news and media? I don't think there is one answer to that, which is why we try and offer everything. My approach to our content and editorial has never been, here's what I, you know, here's my opinion of what it is. It's It's more based on our readers and what we see they're consuming and it's everything. And our readers run the gamut from hardcore theater fans that'll look at, you know, 27 pieces of content and look at our message board and look at every single thing about a particular show or actor because they love it to people that are just, you know, randomly Googling, looking what to see or because they saw something elsewhere and they want more information. How do you go about prioritizing and, and, and drawing the insights from your community? A lot of it is data and a lot of it is just the people that we work with closely, which are the Broadway and other major press agents, know that our answer is almost always yes. There's nothing we don't want to cover big and small, nothing that we don't find an interesting story to tell on stage, backstage, etc. Sorry, I didn't ask you this, but how big is your team at the moment? Because I'm sure like, there's a lot of things that you can cover, but you're only, there's only so much you can cover within a day. So have you found out a way to prioritize what you can cover and not cover, or is it just you try to take it as it comes along? A bit of both. Our full-time staff is about a dozen people that are spread out in different places, and then we have almost 800 contributors to the website in the 140-something markets that I just mentioned. So we work with local people on the ground that are providing local reviews and helping us with local content, as well as a core team that's working on the news end of things. 
I understand. In terms of how the website works now as well, um, you, you mentioned, like I was saying before, the, on the parent company website, there was mention of how there was a massive website redesign. You made the code, the website code has been a lot more cleaner and, and it's been more effective. You know, what was the process behind that? For those who, you know, publishers out there who are thinking of shifting the strategy and, and you know, have a big website like yours, which is very much events and, and you know, Broadway focused. How did you go through the process of effectively managing that? And what lessons can you share with people around that process? Sure. We had sort of a, a two-pronged approach to that. One was on the technical end of things, and we knew there were certain things we had to do. One was that we didn't at the time have a responsive design. We had a separate mobile site and desktop site. We knew we wanted things to be faster. We wanted stuff to look nicer around the different screen sizes, as well as you know loading faster and, of course, working. So on, on that front, we needed a great design. We knew that by that point, we were probably in year 12 or year 13. That it was a good time to review every single bit of code to do a lot of technical analysis down to the nitty gritty of database queries and caching and technical things that I find fascinating and some, find, uh, some people find boring. And then on the flip side of that, it was, is every portal or every widget on the website uh, serving the right purpose? So while we were doing the design and while we were doing the technical end of things, we did probably three to six months of testing using our current website to test different things, see what worked and what didn't work. And that ranged from if we display five stories here versus 10 stories, what does that mean for interactivity? If we display images versus no images here, we know it'll load faster, but does that make people less likely to click? And a ton of other experiments that we A-B tested and in some cases... A, B, C, D, E tested to see what worked and what didn't work. And if we you know, make this item higher, make this item lower. And then we kept uh, combining those things and testing and refining. And that's something we still do day to day here. So you said it took a six-month process. And then from there, I guess collectively as, as the management group, you made the decision of what it ultimately looked like. And then how was it like? Sorry, did you say that you had to re-platform the website as well? Or was it just purely revamping the code? Revamping the code. It's, it's still stayed on primarily the same languages and backend system. All right, because uh, yeah, that's what I was custom built, yeah. Yeah, we don't just want to update the design on pages as we've done in, in the past. We wanted to actually do serious code reviews and sort of squeeze out every second of load time or squeeze out every bit we could of uh, efficiencies. And what were some of the lessons, like in terms of some of the challenges, what were some of the lessons from the challenges that you experienced? Probably number one is that we know nothing sort of what we tell people. So a lot of things we assumed turned out to be wrong and therefore testing and using data to see what worked and what didn't work worked better than what our gut would have thought worked. And then the other thing is just uh, being prepared that you never, as well as what we tested, we still probably for the first month had all sorts of weird issues on weird devices that we never heard of or never thought people were accessing the website on that we had some passionate readers using. So Probably lesson number two is, you know, don't expect on day one to turn it on and, and sit back and be happy. That's where the, the real work begins. Yeah, I, it's, I know that feeling as well with my, with state of digital publishing because, yeah, because you might think something that you might have an assumption, but because you don't have the experience sometimes or you might not expect something, then it might, yeah, it doesn't turn out the way that you expect it. So it's always an iterative process you have to take with the website, no matter if it's you're changing it or not changing it. But, you know, with that and said, you know, the, I saw that the industry insider was a big database with all the data and, and those 
things you had some data sets like um, the most the, how the movies have the the, the the grossing revenue for the shows you had something similar and you had other different types of data sets how do you collect that data is that something that it's you're aggregating from different partners and or you guys are collecting that data yourself the industry sections started with just the grosses. So the grosses are provided by the Broadway League, which is the sort of master organization that all of the Broadway show producers belong to and report their grosses to every week. So they provide that as a raw data set to us. And we've offered that as a service with our own enhancements to it of different ways to graph things and sort things and export stuff. And we saw from that how passionate the industry was and has become about data and analytics. So we looked at... The traffic to that section, we thought a lot about, you know, what other services could we provide? What data could we collect ourselves? What things did we find interesting or tools that we were using internally for editorial purposes that might be of general interest? And then some of the other data sets in there, we created code and came up with ways to compile ourselves. So stuff like the social data, what's popular on our own website, those are all our own tools that we put together earlier versions of and then got feedback from a number of testers of other things they'd like to see, ways they'd like to slice and dice that data. And it was a very successful launch and continues to evolve. How much of your team's time does that take? If you split it between, generally, between people writing articles versus you collecting that data, what's the split at the moment? The split improves each week. Probably the first couple of weeks pulling something together like the social data took somebody all day to make it working. Now it's probably just a, a couple of hours a week. So we're always looking on at everything we do as to how can we make it more efficient and how can we set up systems and processes to make our lives easier. It's, it's very good. Like I find that very fascinating that you, you've been able to use a lot bigger data set for that because it, it just sets you guys apart, I guess. And do you guys consider yourself in terms of you, you know using that data set and, and populating the upcoming shows in event publishing or do you think that that's different? It's, that's a different field. What I mean by event publishing, like entertainment sites, when they have like upcoming events and they provide information around specific events, do you see that yourself more around that area or are you just more like specifically in Broadway? Both. In Broadway, most shows have open runs or have set schedules, so we don't really offer a calendar there. In regions, cities across the U.S. and in other countries, where a tour will stop by for two weeks or production will will run for X amount of time. There we do offer self-service listings and calendars that we get data from a few different partners on. So all of the above. You mentioned about your audience and how they, everyone likes a bit of everything. Yeah, I guess the thing I'd like to ask is, do you have like different personas or different sets of audiences that you have in mind or your team has in mind when they want to target they want to create pieces of content or just publish on the website or is it just you know what what can we have what can we look at this silo for today what can we look at here today what can we look at this section today i would say both overall we want to cover everything everywhere so whether it's a you know one night in a tiny theater that seats 30 people or whether it's you know one night at radio city music hall it's both items are still going to wind up on broadway world mm-hmm. when we're looking at content more time to develop, then absolutely we're looking at data and analytics and traffic and trying to make sure we're using the, the best use of our limited resources of time. Fine, Looking ahead just more industry level, where do you see Broadway Will and Broadway 
news and publishing in this in the spectrum of you know the entire entertainment industry i know it's a it's a niche but yeah, what do you see in general and i guess where do you see the coverage of broadway news moving forward look like uh continue to increase we see a lot more overlap with general entertainment of stars coming to broadway of projects uh on TV from A Christmas Story on Fox or in movie theaters this December, like The Greatest Showman musical. So we see it as an, uh, an expanding Broadway world, pun intended. Right. With that mashup, it's interesting that you said that. How would you find that your audiences would then distinguish that, you know, this is purely Broadway? There's a, there's a bit of a, because I know you said that there's actors that you do both. How do you try to distinguish the type of content and use that you do because i know you, you guys also have different other properties as well such as tv and and different other properties but how do you keep the integrity of broadway news publishing as it is without trying to milk it too much with with other mediums carefully and case by case right now we're we're doing a lot of coverage of amy schumer who's appearing in a play on broadway if at the same time she's doing a movie, you know, we're not going to cover that every day on the, on the Broadway section. That'll be on the, the TV and film section. Right. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, and we see if, you know, maybe she's doing a movie with two or three other actors and people are consuming it, we'll, you know, include it a little more in our Broadway coverage. If the data does not show that, then we'll, we'll keep it segmented. How would you like to see Broadway news in the future to look like, like, Obviously, it's hard to say that you can't be unique and separate, but like, how would you, if it was a blue sky world, how would you want to see Broadway news coverage look like for you? Just continuing to expand. We continue to embrace new technologies from live streaming. We're looking at augmented reality. We're looking at all the, the different technologies and new mediums that are out there. We were first to market with an Apple TV app and a Roku app. There's other platforms that we're looking at there mobile and otherwise. So we would like to see Broadway continue to be an important part of, of all those different ways that consumers are now consuming content. It's an interesting point that you bring up though. Like how would you be able to leverage live streaming and Apple TV, for example, if it's a Broadway show and many of them, many of them have a copywriting copyright or they have restrictions in terms of you recording those events of recording the shows. Is there that type of restriction there, or would you, are there you going to be able to set up partnerships where you can do that for those type of shows so you can cover them more effectively? There's a couple of work with as advertising partners and as business associates. One is Broadway HD. There's another company called Scenarium, which is up and coming. There's Fathom Events and Screen Vision, which bring Broadway shows to movie theaters. And so there's a, a couple of, of great services out there, all of which are growing and all of which are figuring out different ways that they can capture content and come up with formulas that are fair to the artists and the creative teams and the writers and the, the producers and the theaters. So as far as the streaming of full shows, that's not something that we're looking at. We're supporting the efforts of others there. On our end, we've streamed concerts, we've streamed press events and live interviews from backstage and from other hotspots. So it's, it's a mix of performance and interview footage. Some more exclusive content behind the scenes content, and you want to leverage, I guess, leveraging the media technology for that purpose. Correct. Cool. What are some of the initiatives that you guys have planned now, and and what's if you can disclose that, and what are you guys looking to really focus on more so in 2018? Two big things that we have coming up. One is launching, I guess, in two weeks' time, which just scared me, which is a charity corner, which we're working on in partnership with Charity Buzz and Prizio great parts of the charity network, which will showcase all of the charitable causes that 
the Broadway world embraces. Uh, so great organizations like Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and wonderful stuff that people like Lin-Manuel Miranda have done for Puerto Rico. So we will be supporting that with content and listings to shine a spotlight on those that are giving back. And that's always been part of our core DNA from day one. And we see Broadway audiences as well. After that, we're working on expansions of our education section, which covers theater in high schools and colleges around the country. We're working with a lot of those programs to profile student productions of shows and programs themselves, how they're teaching and creating and forming the next generation of theater talent. That's, that's very exciting to hear. Um, I hope those events, upcoming events really turn out well as well. What are expectations on those? What are your expectations on the events? For the charities, I mean, for both of them, they're, they're content that we're running a little bit of now. So we see that our, our audience likes them. We see that the numbers are good. We just think we haven't made them easy enough to find by creating specialized sections. And then with everything else we do, it's, you know, starting with some of the major Broadway sections, but then we'll also expand out regionally. So we're looking to cast a, a small net to start and then a, a wider net. Cool. Rob, just to the last part of the talk I, I'd like to speak about is really about people who you know want to get into Broadway uh, news journalism, or you know, it, it can be even entertainment journalism. What's some of the advice that you can give them, and how do you think they can stand out to someone like yourself who might consider them to be part of your team? We're looking for people that are passionate and creative, people that don't just want to join the organization and do what, let's say, another website is doing or do what we've done before. We're looking for people that want to help take what we're doing forward and what they're doing forward. So we look for that with new employees as not just, you know, what what do you like about what we're doing? What don't you like? What would you like to be doing? And people that can think of that in terms of content that's interesting and stuff that people want to consume. So, you know, some people just say, you know, I love theater. I want to get free Broadway tickets and I want to do interviews. And that's great. We all want free Broadway tickets and we all like doing interviews. But, you know, we have a team that's doing that now. So we look for people that are, are creative with ideas and creative about what they want to do and passionate about it as well. What's an example of someone who you've hired that has ticked all the boxes in terms of being creative? What kind of initiative have they come up with that you found interesting? Probably our most recent hire has been uh, somebody that started with us as an intern doing local coverage for us in Toronto and kept suggesting ideas for our social media. And after getting enough of those ideas, it became, you know, great. Why don't you come join the team and work on our social media? And they did that while they were finishing up their education as an intern and then graduated and joined us full time. For example, from doing our own social media work, they had the idea of doing the social media analytics once they knew we were thinking about doing the industry section. That was a great example of, of somebody that found us, had unique ideas and, you know, quickly became a contributing member of the team. Just to confirm, that intern that you guys eventually hired, he was part of the, he contributed to the idea of combining social media analytics into the industry insider component of your website. Correct. So he was running our social media and knew that we were creating this industry insight section. So that was a big part of it was his idea and his execution to figure out, you know, try different ways to gather that data and to help the rest of the team present it in the right way. And now he writes about it editorially each week as well. That's very awesome. Like uh, that's yeah, uh, that's very that's very exciting to hear. To be honest, um, you always want people around you who can give you new ideas and also 
people who, yeah, just passionate. So it's it's very fortunate that you found someone like that person. Everybody loves theater and loves social media. And it was a position that, you know, everybody was contributing to our social media, but we didn't have a, a single person that was thinking about that sort of as a, a primary job objective. And he's helped us greatly with our social media growth there. And then, you know, now editorially and, and other areas. Rob, what do you see for yourself moving forward with your own career in, in journalism and publishing? More of the same, just, you know, looking to keep growing personally and professionally with everything we do. I'm very passionate about technology and about being first to market with ideas. And thankfully, with the way that technology goes, there's never a shortage of things that are in our pipeline that keep me excited and inspired every day to expand what we're doing to new audiences and new, new technologies and new areas of media. I appreciate your time, Rob. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com.